I want to finish up in 2 Samuel chapter 15. And uh, if you'll turn there with me, 2 Samuel chapter number 15. I want to finish up what we have been looking at for a while. We had looked at, uh, for at least two services, the ministry of deception in Absalom and the ministry of deception and how Absalom was uh, literally uh, the deception, <laughs> a physical form of deception against his own father, David, and how that the things he did affected the nation of Israel. The things he did affected his father, um, and he, he sat on those things, and he stood on those things, and, and uh, we learned some things about a deceiver, and the last thing we looked at was from verse number 12, and, it, and, and I'm just going to go back and... Uh, the, the, the thought is uh, there in the end of verse number 12, it says, And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. And so our last thought from the message of the ministry of a, de of a deceiver is the first thought in our message, the ministry of a disciple. I want to look, we looked at Absalom and his ministry uh, of deception, and now I want to look at the, the ministry of David and, the, and what David went through um, as his own son turned against him. And so there in verse number 12, we find that the it says, of course, the conspiracy is strong um, and the people increase continually with Absalom. And so we, we had studied and we learned that Absalom, his his deception actually what it, what he was doing is he was specifically targeting people he knew who he needed to get on his side he knew who he needed to pull with him and 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 bind together with and he pulled vulnerable people he pulled people in bad positions and like we just read there in our Sunday school lesson a, a large group of of people uh, do foolish things and so uh, but oftentimes large groups have more influence because they uh, people just naturally go with the masses they follow along with uh, with 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 the flow as as people would say and that's what Israel did Israel turned against their king David and we start here in verse number 13 and and there came a messenger to David saying the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom that is destructive to a king the the hearts of his people need to be with their king, need to be for their king, need to be in support of their king. And I wonder how many people today, their hearts are not with God, their hearts are not with the church, they're not, their hearts are not with, with things of a spiritual manner, their hearts are not where they need to be um, and to be effective and to be right. And I wonder how many people out there, they're, they're just in their, in their hearts, they're not sold out to God. And, and, and so it's easy to turn a generation, it's easy to turn a culture against someone uh, when, when you have a deceiver that can come in and just swoop in and he can he can promise these things and he's a soothsayer and he can uh, do all this stuff to make them think he'll do everything to benefit them, everything to help them. And he'll present himself as beautiful. The devil doesn't put ugly stuff in front of us. The devil knows exactly what, what reaches down into the depths of my heart and just pulls out the things I'm tempted with. He knows that. So he's not going to put ugly in front of me. He's not going to put an old, uh, rusty Ford Pinto in front of me to get out on, on, on the highway and speed with. He's going to put a Ferrari, a big brand-new red Ferrari in front of me. He's going to put something I can enjoy, something I can have fun with. And then, of course, there I'll be sitting on the side of the road with a state trooper uh, writing me a ticket. But, um, you know, he, he's going to put things in front of me that are going to beguile me, that reach down and grab the things that he knows that my flesh likes. And so with that being said, 
That's what Absalom did. Absalom, the deceiver, he he comes in and he he knows what he can he can do. He sees these men walking into town that are that are going that are that are about to face judgment, and he knows that he can reach down and offer them something out, a way out to help them. And he turns the people against David. And so, a disciple. So we said it. A deceiver will always betray those that love him the most. They they will. A deceiver will because a deceiver. I'm sure down the road somewhere had somebody that loved them and cared for them. But that deceiver in, in their nature, they naturally just will hurt people that care for them. They deceive people into making them think that, they, they do, that they're going to do right. They're do, going to treat them right. They're going to benefit that person. And then they do them wrong. But I want to look at a disciple not only a deceiver will betray those that love him most, but a disciple will often be betrayed by someone he loves. If you're a disciple of Christ, if you're part of the body of Christ, it's part of your nature to pour yourself into people. It's part of your nature to love people. It's part of your nature to, to be there for people. And they're going to hurt you. They're going to hurt you bad. They're going to hurt you to the point to where you might question your dedication to church. You might de question your dedication to God. You might question your dedication to, to, to prayer or to study. They're going to, they're going to hurt you. That's just something that we have to accept that's going to happen. Now, I, of course, and I say this often a lot, I say it a lot, but you know, I, I was raised and it was emphasized, don't put your faith in man. Man's going to let you down. Even mama and even daddy's going to let you down. Your children are going to let you down. Your grandparents will let you down from time to time. I mean, it, it, it just happens. People let you down. People don't do exactly what you think they should. But I can handle somebody that lets me down. And, you know, they, they, just, they may have not meant to or they may have made a, a really fast, rash decision and just did something a little bit crazy, and, and they let me down, and they're like, hey, I'm, forgive me. I can handle that. But those that intentionally seek to deceive me, those that intentionally seek to, to stand against me, and those that intentionally seek to hurt me or my family, that's a hard thing to accept. And for David, here he stands, and the person that did that to him was his own son. In verse, 13, or verse 14, it says, And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us. And smite the city with the edge of the sword. He's being betrayed by his own son. How would that feel? I, I couldn't imagine what that would feel like. Somebody that you love so much to, to, to do this to you, to literally intentionally destroy everything you have, everything you are. In verse 14, a disciple will sometimes have to break away from the safety of his home. There goes David, the king of Israel, running away from his own home, separating from the importance of a home, the, the comfort of a home, the happiness of a home. He runs away from his own home and looking, we're going to skip forward and then we're going to come back. But verse number 17, it says, And the king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was far off. You know, to be in control, I think about building this new house. We got in this house. I couldn't imagine something happening to where 
I couldn't live. I couldn't live there. I couldn't be there. And it's something somebody had done that prevented me from being there. And it's easy to do. You think about someone not taking enough time fixing something and, uh, you know, a water pipe bust and floods the house. Or you think about something uh, not being done correctly with, uh, you know, with the air, air conditioning and the heat and that, not, that doesn't work or the propane or the, the, the fire alarms or something happening where I can't be in my home. That, that hurts. Then, you know, you're living with somebody else or you're living in a, uh, living in an apartment or living in it, just not what God has just blessed you with. But I couldn't imagine that happening because of something someone done to me, like somebody intentionally forced me from my home. And that brings my mind because Absalom wants and, and desires his, what his father has. But I, I want to point out, and, and over in, in Matthew, uh, you'll find very, uh, very uh, clearly in Matthew chapter number 6, it says, verse number 1 and 2, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, what, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. Imagine Absalom strolling in to, to, the, cat, to the king's castle and uh, taking down the pictures of his daddy. And I'm just imagining here, but uh, I, just, I think of Absalom strolling in and, and, and setting the house up the way he wants it and, and setting it up the way he desires and pushing the people out he doesn't like and setting up the, the rooms in the way he would desire and, and setting up the, uh, just casting all of his dad's things out and bringing all of his stuff in and just enjoying what, what he has and, and swimming in his daddy's pool and uh, taking a stroll in his daddy's garden and enjoying the things that David had and David David had established and David had set up, but I find so clearly and evident there in Matthew chapter number six that I believe it's those things that that's, that's his reward. He doesn't have an eternal reward. He can enjoy these lavish things of life while David's out there in the wilderness, while David's been misplaced from his home. He's been pushed away. And here's Absalom enjoying all these things, but that's all he's going to get. A disciple may be Find, may find himself in a barren spot, may find himself away from home, may find himself separated from the things that he loves. But he's got a reward on the other side. While this goes on with, with coronavirus and everything else, while this happens in our world, people are going crazy, people are going insane. Just like I told you about the gentleman I talked to on the phone, and he said, you're one of the only people I've talked to that's been encouraging and happy you know in this situation i don't see any other option i'm a christian i'm supposed to be happy when the times are good and when the times are bad i'm supposed to be thrilled with the joy of my salvation regardless of what's going on in my life now i don't always do it but i should try my best to be that person because there's people out there that are looking they're searching they need something to mean they need to find something that they can they can uh, hold on to and people are holding on to their bank accounts right now people are holding on to their their retirements and their 401ks they're holding on to what the government can provide for them they're holding on to that thousand uh, dollar check that's going to be coming they're holding on to their job they're holding on to this they're holding on to that they're holding on to their own understanding but they're not holding on to God and they're looking and they're searching and they're desiring something to hold on to. And while David's out there in the wilderness, while he's out there living under the stars and they're fighting off the wolves and they're fighting off the lions and they're fighting off the bears and, and they're out there alone in the cold, he had God to hold on to. You could have given Absalom everything that the king had. 
the whole kingdom, and he would not be filled because there's emptiness inside. He was a deceiver, but his, but his father, the disciple, he had fulfillment no matter what. And I want to look at that right here. This right here, I believe, and we're going to jump back to verse number 15. So clearly we can see God's intention for Christian fellowship right here in verse 15. This disciple, David, he's out there, he's alone. Think about our lives right now. Think, I, I think about getting stuck home. And Shelby, she's, she's dreading it this month at home. And I know we talked about that this morning. The desire to get out and go and do, and I, I understand. I get out and go and do every single day. To be home to me is, is a blessing. But I know that as you get to the point where you don't have to get out every single day, it gets, it gets troublesome and tiresome to be stuck inside. Now, I think about the threat to church, the threat to fellowship and what that looks like. Think about David. This is a threat to his fellowship. His people had turned against him. Verse 15, this is what I want to encourage us with. This disciple David, he, he was broken away from it. He had, he had had to break away from his home. He was in a barren spot, but he was backed by godly support. Look at verse 15. And the king's servants, I love this, and the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. He was backed by godly support. In a time such as these, in a time that we are in right now, what does it mean for us to have godly support? I think about just this week in the different prayer requests, and, and I wasn't here last Sunday, and I think about my list of prayer requests that I know y'all will pray for. And not being able to share all those and share my heart, it, it, I, I carried the burden it's not your fault. I'm just saying I carried certain burdens this week that typically I can say, hey, help me pray for this, and I know y'all will help pray. Man, that's heavy. Certain things that maybe I didn't share through text message or over the phone or whatever, I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like that feeling after I made the phone call and said, hey, I don't think it's a good idea for me to be there. I feel like it was the best choice. I didn't want to pass anything on if I had something, but, man, it hurts. The separation of fellowship. And we can. We've got such a, a small number that it's worked to our benefit at this time. We can still gather right now. It may change tomorrow, I don't know, but what a blessing. There's churches spread throughout the land that are able to right this moment. I think about if I was involved in a church that wasn't able to go. It's not the same. Even sitting in your car in the parking lot is not the same. Being around God's people, it's just... It's not the same. It's not the same to not be able to shake hands. We're not going to, but it's not the same. Fellowship. It's an intimate fellowship. And here's David. He needs that. And he's and, and imagine being in that position that he was in. His own son had turned against him. His whole nation had turned against him. He had lost his home. He had lost his land. And and somebody to walk up and say, "Thy servants are ready to do whatsoever." My Lord, the king shall appoint. He's still the king to them. He may have been dethroned. He may have been pushed away. He may have been, they may be out in the middle of nowhere in a different country. 
but he's still the king to them. You know, in our own lives, we're going to have to rely on one another like that right there. We, We have no promise that coronavirus will ever leave. Could it push us to the point where everything we have to do is digital, electronic? Could it push us to the point where even five, six, 10, 15 people can't gather together? Could it push us to the point where it changes our entire culture forever? People are looking for a reason to be away from one another. People are looking for a reason to stay home. I mean, it's just, it's just the truth. Thank God for being able to spend all day outside yesterday working. People don't want to be home and work. They don't want to be home and, 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 and benefit themselves and work on things. They just want to be home and be inside away from people. That's the way the culture is. And we're and unfortunately we're pushed to where that's hey that's what we're having to do. Will this go away? I don't know. Will this be the norm? I don't know. But I tell you what, we better pray hard, as we said earlier, that God will reunite churches. Because if there's ever been a time that it's easier for people not to be dedicated to church, it's right now. If there's, I've heard the advice. There's a pastor I follow somewhere on social media. He said. When you when you when we when we have service, get up and get dressed, make yourself presentable. Get make make a quiet time. Get your Bible together. Don't get straight out of bed and turn it on or watch it in watch church in your bed. I mean, those that are having to do that, how quickly and how easily it is to get out of the the norm of service of church. But I wonder, even you know, we're definitely we're guaranteed at least another two, three, four weeks of this for most churches. I wonder how many people won't go back. I wonder how many people will continue to be distanced. I wonder how many people the devil will, will, will get to. How many people, you think the, the changing of God's word goes all the way, and this is a rabbit trail, I'm sorry, but it's so applicable to the world we're living in. How many people go all the way back to Eden and how the serpent changed the word of God? And how many people, the, the, the twisted, hey, you don't have to go back. You can continue this online. We've got to continue what we're doing. Keep, keep, stay, keep going on your computer. Keep going this way. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. There's some churches that can't do it right now. But I wonder how many people will continue in it. When, when the doors are open again, it's scary. We've got to pray hard. I wonder how many little children will stay home. But I wonder how many people will stand up and say, your servants are here. We're ready to do whatsoever. You ask. That godly support you find it goes on in verse number 19. Then said the king to Idii, the Gilatite, Wherefore goest thou also with us, return to thy place, and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger. And also in exile. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us, seeing I go whither I may, return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. And Idii answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the king liveth, surely in what place my Lord the king shall be? Whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. I want to point out 
something about David and the type of people that he was around. I think this is the time, and I'm done after this. I think this is the time that we should take the, the borders we've put up and just let God take them down. Because we've put these things up, these walls up, and said, if you don't go to my church, I, I'm not going to fellowship with you. If you don't, if you're not the same denomination, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not backing up on doctrinal belief. I'm just saying, if you don't, if you don't go to the same denomination, I've heard it. I know you have. I'm not gonna. I, we just can't get along. If you're, you, you know, you're this part, this crowd, and I'm this crowd. We can't. We've got to tear that down because the, the, the. I think of two people, two dedicated people to David, two people that respected David in his life, and you have Idia. The Gittite. Gittites were Philistines. He was not a child of, of God, and he wasn't part of the, fam, the, 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 the children of Israel. He wasn't from that heritage. He didn't come from the tribe of Benjamin. He didn't come from the tribe of Judah. He didn't come from anywhere. He was a Philistine. And then you think about Uriah. We know Uriah, his story. The Hittite. These were two people who were not from the same background, otherwise would have been enemies of David, but they stayed dedicated to him. These are two people. You have Idi, he, he, he didn't have any fleshly or blood reason to be dedicated to David, but it was a matter of love. It was a matter of respect. It was a matter of spiritual dedication. And he stands and he says, I'm going to stand with the king. I'm going to stand with the Lord. I don't have to, but I've been welcomed in, and I'm going to be there. Will you be that person? Will you be that godly support? Will you be the one that says, you know what? I may have to be stuck out in the wilderness right now. I may have to be separated from my home. I may have to live a life that's a little harder than what I'm used to. But can we stay dedicated to God? That's my worry right now. It's a concern. Will people stick true to the Lord, His commandments, and His word? We're living in a time of panic, living in a time of, cra of craze. People are losing their minds. It's hard to comprehend. Each day we hear new things about what goes on. Our entire culture has been changed. There's no sports. TV stuff has been halted. The news channels have nothing else to talk about besides this pandemic. People are, are, are losing, their, losing their minds and turning on one another and arguing and fighting and yelling. Thankfully, we locked them out where I work. We just locked them out. <laughs> we don't want your sickness. We don't want your anger. Just come through the drive-thru. But I wonder how many folks will come out of this thing unchanged. I wonder how many, of this, many Christians will come through this unchanged. I pray that we use this as an example. Say, hey, in an instant, our fellowship in church could be taken away. In an instant, our fellowship with even just our friends and family could be limited. There's people in other countries that live like this all the time. We take it for granted, I do believe. And it's taken something like like this and lots of people dying and lots of people sick for us to see it. Pray that we would take some lessons 
and learn. I believe God's trying to show us. God's trying to humble us. I'm thankful that he's coming back. If he does, before this whole thing goes back to normal, and it may not go back to normal, I don't know. I pray that we would be prepared. And I pray that we'd be examples, because we still can be. And I'm so encouraged. I was talking to a friend, and we were talking about how people that wouldn't talk to one another, people who didn't like one another, essentially, now I see them on different social media together, having services in their homes and giving devotionals and messages, and it's an encouraging time. I pray that we would be dedicated to the cause. Does anyone have anything?